May I speak in the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. It's a great joy that Father Darren is with us for the first parish mass here at St. Philog's since his ordination as deacon last Saturday. So, Father, again, welcome. Thank you. You've had a bit of a journey to get here. I really don't know the best route from Wolverhampton to South Wales. The M4 helps. The M4 does help, but then I mean, I've grown up on the M4 corridor, sort of coming up and down from Reading, so I'm used to that bit. It's when you get sort of brisbane and you start up, do you go up the M5, do you do the M40 and M42 and all that malarkey around Birmingham? It gets confusing. I know I'd go to Alton Towers, and that's about it, as far as the Midlands. Or foot, football, football grounds, having done so many of them over the years. But in all honesty, I don't really mean his journey in a car from Wolverhampton to here. More journey through baptism, confirmation, marriage, parenthood, accepting God might be calling him to ordination, selection, training, placements in Catholic care amongst other places, ordination as deacon, and then breathe. We're here. Such a journey or collection of journeys which I'm sure we'll hear more about in due course as we get to know you more. Your response to God calling you to ordination has resulted in you being sent out. Sent out several times already, I guess. And there'll be more sendings out as you continue your ministerial journey, I'm fairly sure. In today's Gospel reading, we hear Jesus sending people out to different places, in some ways, like the newly ordained deacons were sent out from Llandaff Cathedral last Saturday lunchtime. Not that I'm suggesting you're being sent out into a pack of wolves, I might add. The advice, though, in the Gospel reading seems quite apt. Proclaim peace to this house. Share in that peace. Spend time with people. Eat what is put before you. Eat biscuits, eat cake, drink tea, obviously. Build those relationships. But it's not just about relationships and social time, though, because the Gospel goes on. Cure the sick, pray for God's healing, proclaim the Kingdom of God is near. It's not just socialising, it's actually proclaiming the Gospel building up the church, reaping the harvest. And then a really exciting call. You have been given authority to tread on snakes and scorpions. Nothing will hurt you. I don't suggest you try this though. And then there's that stark warning at the end. Don't rejoice that spirits submit to you. Instead, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. A reminder we're not doing this for our own glory, but for the glory of God. To preach the gospel, to see people's lives changed, transformed, renewed through knowing Jesus. Not just building up a kingdom for ourselves. It's not about us, it's about Jesus. We see this through today's other readings as well. 
God desperate to bless, feed, refresh in Isaiah. The call to cry out with joy to God all the earth in the psalm. And the reminder to sow in the power of the Spirit in today's epistle. I'm not a great one for gardening or growing, I have to admit. But even I realise, if you were to plant, for example, potatoes, which I tried once, the only thing you're likely to grow, apart from weeds, I guess, is more potatoes. What we put in is what's likely to come out. If that's the case in gardening and growing, surely it's the case in our faith journeys, in our evangelism and the church. If we are living according to the Spirit, if we are putting Jesus central in everything, our life as Christians, and in fact the church, is likely to be Jesus-focused. If we're living in other ways, well, we reap what we sow, I guess, and it's not likely to be quite so Jesus-focused. It's a challenge, though, isn't it? There are so many pressures, so many things we need to do, things we feel we need to do, things others would like us to do, things which, well, they kind of make us look good, don't they? And sometimes things done for effect more than anything else. In the early church, there was that ongoing question Did you need to be Jewish before you could be a Christian? Did you need to become Jewish, follow all the Jewish laws and customs before following Jesus? Circumcision, not eating bacon or shellfish, not wearing polycotton and so on. And then in some cases we hear in the epistle people boasting about being observant followers of the customs. Not doing it because they had let their lives change, but well, they wanted people to see that they were following all these rules, wanted to boast about them being so good at how they were following these things. But without it changing lives, why was it being done? Was it just being done to make them look good? There are two questions I think we have to ask so often. What are we doing is the first one. Yeah, I ask myself that quite often, I guess. But the second question, why are we doing it? What are we doing and why? Questions which get to the heart of ordained ministry. Actually questions at the heart of our lives as Christians too. Questions for the church, questions for us. We make all kinds of decisions every day. How to spend our time, who to be in touch with, how to use our resources, our money, our gifts, our talents. Most of the time we make these decisions unconsciously. We don't even realise we're making a decision. It's just that's what we do. I remember my grandparents. They always went shopping to Asda 
on the same day. I think it was a Wednesday. Leaving home at the same time, at 11, quarter past 11, they went out of the house. They drive the same route. They even pass the same people on the same roundabout while driving there and comment if they weren't there, hope they're okay. They're normally on that roundabout. Such was the routine of some retired people. And then before that, also with my grandparents, when I first started wanting to come to church back in the late 80s, one of the hard decisions and discussions with my parents was, well, you'll always go to see your grandparents on a Sunday morning. You can't go to church because that's when you go to see them. It's just what we do. It's always been like that, isn't it? Why? Well, with any of these things, there's a variety of reasons. There are some good reasons. There are some bad reasons. There are some indifferent reasons. Well, it's just like that. Why do we do the things we do in worship? Because we've always done them. I remember this wonderful story of a church choir always processing into church, would get halfway through the chancel, get to another step, or make a massive step, you know, sort of that large step, when they were getting towards the altar rail. No one knew why they did it, but they all did. They got to a particular point and take a massive step forward. Eventually, someone asked a former choir member, now really old in an odd thing, so why, why do the choir always do this really big step at that point? He said, oh yes, there used to be a heating pipe there, they had to step over it. The heating pipe had gone, but still they had to take that step. There's another wonderful story of someone who always, who'd learned to cook the Christmas meal from their grandparents, and or from the parents who learned it from the grandparents, and they always cut the joint of meat in two. And why do we do it? I don't know. Why do we do it? I don't know. Eventually, they asked why, the grandparent, why, why do we cook, why do we always cook the meat, cut the meat in half? And fit? Oh yeah, when I when I was young and learning from my mum, we only had a small oven. We had to cut it in half to be able to fit it in the oven. They've got a bigger oven, bigger pots, but well, that's what we've always done. Recognise the similarities in worship sometimes. We've always done it like this. Sometimes maybe we do it because someone else told us that this is the way to do it. This is the only way. This is the right way. This is the best way. I'm guilty of that sometimes, I have to admit. Maybe we do it because we can't imagine anything different. Maybe we do it because, well, I think it looks pretty. Or because it's my favourite way. Maybe we do things because God is worshipped most effectively in this way for our community. Maybe we do it because it draws other people into the mystery of God through engaging with all the senses in worship. Maybe one of these answers, maybe something quite different. When we look at them, we get some idea of whether we're doing them in the spirit or for another reason. Is it Jesus focused or is it something else? Surely we want to grow in our relationships with Jesus. 
Surely we want the church to grow, both here in Pontlottin and in the whole world. If that's the case, we must look to do things in the Spirit for the glory of God, for the right reasons, not just for show or because we've always done it like that and never thought about it. That call to be sent out at the beginning of today's Gospel reading. I'd suggest it's not just for Darren and those ordained, but for all of us. The harvest is plentiful, but the labourers are few. It refers not just to clergy, but to everyone. We are all called, in our own ways, to proclaim Christ's peace and love to those who have not yet heard it and to those who have drifted away for no other reason than because God loves them. We need to reap the harvest which is growing, which it is, if only we recognise the yearning for God in the rest of the world. People are desperate to hear something of God, but we just don't seem to engage sometimes. And if we don't respond and reap the harvest, what will happen to those who are searching? Will they find God? Will they drift away to something else? Will their souls be lost? Can we take that risk? Let alone what it will do to this church if we're not reaping this harvest, if we're not drawing new people in, if we're not growing. For us all, there are times of competing agendas, let alone when things like pride get into our heads. We become puffed up, convinced of our own importance. I speak from experience for that. May we put all that aside. May we focus on and live in the Spirit of God, doing our part in letting other people know about Jesus. And may we never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, because in the end, that is what it's about. Salvation through Jesus, who loves us and wants us to be reconciled. So we can cry out with joy to God, all the earth, with knowledge of this salvation for us and for all people. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.